He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And I hope everyone enjoyed their week off from the 73rd Hole Podcast last week. It's tough to find weeks off in the game of golf with the crazy schedules we have. So it was nice to kind of take a week off last week. What were you doing over your week off, T-Dub? Oh, it was it was anything but a week off for me, boys. In all honesty, with everything I do now, I look forward to this more than any time of the week. So it was actually a worse week than I'm usually based on. But nonetheless, you know, now we get to sit back, refresh. I had a decent amount of news happen in our time off, so I'm excited to get into it, Woody. But at the end of the day, we are technically still in football season. But as we always say, golf never sleeps. It doesn't. It doesn't. That that, that week off was kind of fun, uh, it, but golf didn't stop. We had that the the one victory by. Uh, the young guy, or well, not young necessarily, out of South Africa. And, uh, you know, I was disappointed that, that Camila didn't win, but then he wins the next week. So that was cool. So, no, it was fun. It was uh, it was fun just to get away because it's almost duck season. And, well, it is duck season. There's just no ducks. So I'm okay with a week off. No doubt about it, fellas. It's football season, duck season, and it's also silly season. You know, we used to have a longer silly season, but now the fall events actually count towards something on the PGA Tour. So the guys still wanted to play some silly season golf, and I guess that's what we'll begin with, fellas, was this Netflix Cup. And if you remember... F1 got popular because of the Drive to Survive show on Netflix, F1 car racing, obviously, and uh, they ended up pairing up with PGA Tour pros from the Full Swing show to create Netflix's first ever live sporting event yesterday. I didn't get to catch any of this. I was working yesterday on the Sports Animal Guys, uh, but I heard that it was entertaining. Obviously, the the hardcore, hardo golf nerds probably thought it was silly, but it is bringing eyeballs to the game of golf, which I think is good, and we saw that Justin Thomas and Formula One driver Carlos Sainz were the first winners of the Netflix Cup yesterday. The other teams that were in this tournament uh, were guys, or the, I'll list the pro golfers because I don't even know some of these F1 drivers. I'm sorry, I know it's popular, but uh, I don't know it. I don't follow it. But Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Max Homa, uh, and Tony Finau were the other pro golfers in this thing. T Dub. I know that it's silly, but at the same time, I think anything like this that brings eyeballs to the game of golf is good, especially in the offseason when no one's really thinking about it otherwise. Oh, I couldn't agree more. The, the F1 show was an extremely big hit, even a, a bigger hit than the, than the golf one was on Netflix. So it's definitely going to draw more people to watch the game of golf, which, as we talk about all the time, is an absolutely stellar thing. And as you mentioned, the guys that were in it, the Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Max Homa, and then Tony Fina, who actually replaced Colin Morikawa, who was supposed to play but he was dealing with an injury, so Finau replaced him. So if you were going to just kind of pick four guys for the PGA Tour, you think that would do something like this, those are probably about the four that you would pick. So I'm not shocked by those at all, but they're really good rep- representatives of the PGA Tour, at least at this point. So, yeah, that's a really cool thing to see, Woody. 
and like we said, anything that gets more eyeballs in the game of golf, I love. Just like Sam, I haven't got a chance to watch it yet. In all, in all honesty, things like this don't really pique my interest a whole lot. But I do think it's good for golf, so I'm going to be a – I'm going to really endorse it if anyone asks me about it. Well, for sure. I, I mean, w- Americans are funny because uh, we think football is football, but it's really soccer if you go anywhere else in the world. F1 racing is huge around the world. It's it's trying to grow in America. So uh, what better for them to team up with or to tag with than golf? And and that's one great thing about our sport, guys. If you look at all the great athletes that play other sports, a lot of them migrate to golf. They love golf because the challenge is so great. And I think that's what people are starting to see. So great, great little event. I didn't see it, but it's a great event. Like you guys say, anything that pushes people towards golf is a victory for us. No doubt about it, fellas. And it was kind of entertaining watching some of those guys hit tee shots toward the big sphere in Vegas out there. I know that the Wynn Golf Course is still not very happy about that. I will list off the F1 drivers in case our listeners are interested in that. It was uh, the other drivers other than Carlos Sainz were Lando Norris and McLaren Racing. You also had... uh, Alex Albon of Williams Racing, and then Pierre Gasly of BWT Alpine F1. So, fellas, I I guess those are big names in the F1 space. And my man Preston Poole, our producer on the 73rd Hole radio show, follows it every single Sunday morning. He's probably screaming through his phone or podcast right now um but i do think that that's an awesome deal fellas and i I really want to go play that win golf course it seems sweet and it's even more kind of unique now that they have the sphere right there and it looks like the you know spheres looking at your golf ball when it's going into the right trees oh it'd be absolutely really cool to play that course i believe that was the course that featured on i forget the name of the movie i might be able to remind it to me it was about the, the golf gambler shooter from Happy Gilmore was the, the better guy. I can't remember the name of it. I know someone out there is screaming, yelling at me. I'll try to look up, see what it is. But it was a really good movie, and I think that's where it was shown as well. So uh, another one of those courses that can tie back to a golf movie. There's very few of those that exist. And then what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, so you got that going for you as well. You just need to probably have thick, thick pockets because generally when you go out there, you don't come back with much. Hey, well, the guys, you don't want to play that one. You want to play Shadow Creek. Don't uh, don't play the wind course. It's okay. Oh, there's no doubt. Play it one time. You want to play Shadow Creek is where you want to play. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna play a golf course in Vegas, go to Shadow Creek. All of our listeners, if there's a chance to get on it, go to Shadow Creek. It is pretty crazy. If anyone hasn't seen the pictures of what Shadow Creek looked like before they designed it and after, um, it was literally completely desert, and then all of a sudden it looks like you're in North Carolina playing the golf course, fellas. So definitely yeah, want to go was, try to it, catch that sometime. Well, Sam, you know how they accomplished that? They dug a hole in the desert about 200 feet down. Wow. I didn't realize that. That's what they did. Yeah, they dug a, they dug a hole, and then – put that golf course down in that hole and, and you're right if you you drive down to get to it and once you're there if you can tell me you're in las vegas you can bust me the only thing that gives it away is the mountains and the you know in the horizon as you look up but it's uh when i first got to play back in the early 90s when it was first built uh steve Wynn was really exotic um there was a monkey that worked the counter okay he was in the counter of the golf shop and the <laughs> monkey worked it Okay, literally, they trained this monkey how to run the cash register. And then the whole, all over that golf course, whenever you played, there were all kinds of exotic birds from pheasants and quail 
and uh, ostrich. He had an ostrich in a pen, uh, peacocks. It was the dangest thing I had ever seen in my lifetime. It was incredible. Now, it's not that now, but when it first opened, it was over-the-top bizarre. Real quick, I just want to ask, because I'm pulled up this article here, and it says that Shadow Creek has raised their green fees to $1,250. I know you found the place to go, but is it worth that much money? Well, no. No, nothing's worth that much money. It may be Augusta or Cypress. Well, maybe if just you, go out get there and win one a little eight-team parlay and then, and then go play Shadow Creek. Well, you might, but if you're a high roller and you're still in one of a Steve Wynn's play, or no, Steve Wynn doesn't own it anymore. If I, I'm not sure what, what casino it's tied to now, but if you're a, if you're high enough roller, uh, they'll let MGM. you play. Okay, well, the MGM, if you bet big enough, you can get on it. Or you know somebody that bets big, they can get you on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you were talking about bizarre, guys. Uh, the last thing we got to talk about with this Netflix Cup is if you're familiar with the comedian Burt Kreischer, who obviously was a supporter of Liv, he's hilarious. You know, you've probably seen him all over your TV, gotten really popular. The Machine, uh, if you don't know his name. He was out there you know, as like a celebrity guest for this Netflix cup. And they're about to hit the players are about to hit their opening tee shots. And this protester runs onto the first tee and starts screaming. And Burt Kreischer comes in. The comedian comes in and tackles her live on TV. Wow. Good deal. I love it. That's perfect. I wonder what she was mad about and what she was pissed off about. It it reminds me of that whole uh, Adam Hadwin situation a little bit. Yeah, a little Hadwin. That's exactly what I was about to say, Sam. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Exactly. I'm having him get tackled on the 8th of green. And for the fact that if you want to protest, I don't care what you want to protest about, but there's a time and a place. And I don't think the first yeah. hole of a Netflix golf cup is the place to do it. No, no it's not. No, there's better places to do it. Yes. No doubt about it, fellas. Uh, moving on here of big-time storylines in the game of golf – this was reported earlier this morning that the roof of the TGL SoFi Center collapsed. It really deflated because of a power outage. I guess that technology holds that dome up in Orlando, Florida, uh, that holds all of that great new technology that we're going to see in the TGL starting in January. And that was the big concern after the roof collapsed. No, Number one, no one was hurt. Number two, the technology apparently according to reports, was not damaged, fellas. So right when everyone saw the roof collapse, we thought that there was going to be a delay in that January uh, start time. Let's see, it was January 9th uh, start date for the TGL and Tiger and Rory and everybody for this never-before-seen golf experience. And, fellas, it, it seems like it's still going to be able to go on as planned on January 9th, but it looks like they dodged a little bit of a bullet with this whole dome collapsing in Florida. Yeah, they really did. This is one of those deals where when it was first announced, you're like, okay, maybe we'll see what it is. But as we've gotten closer to January 9th, I've been actually really looking forward to this, and especially just to see even more Tiger. We'll hopefully get to see him a little bit before then anyway. But the more times we can, the better. And I'm very intrigued. Yeah, when you saw the pictures, when you sent them to us earlier, Sam, I'm like, my word, that is insane yeah they're going to 100 percent be delayed but then as you were just reading off there the reason the roof collapse was because of a power outage so that's usually when you deal with a power outage you know you get a little little bit of cold there if it's in the winter or whatever and you might have to deal with a little inconvenience make sure you don't use your phone too much 
But this is the world we live in now, Woody, where you can lose your roof? If you lose electricity, that's not a world I want to live in. <laughs> and they're saying it didn't well, collapse, uh, it deflated, fellas. <laughs> yeah, well, what what scares me is what if we're playing in there and they got one of those events going on and it starts to deflate? What do you do then? Uh, so uh, I'm sure there's going to be some uh, uh, generators brought in to make sure that doesn't happen again. They'll do something I guess that was a good test to see, and now that they know it can do that, I'll bet that they find you some kind of backup. What do you want back? No, definitely. I love Woody's uh, country answer right there. Why don't we just bring in a generator <laughs> <You know? laughs> when the power goes out? You got to have power, baby. baby. got to have power. I've got one at my, at my farm, and let me tell you something. When that power goes off and that baby cranks up, I go, thank you. Thank you, technology. <laughs> Little country. That's exactly right, fellas. Uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what technology they use. They're saying it's a supersized uh, golf simulator. And even a few years ago, T-Dub, when we went to that PGA show down in Orlando, there was some unreal technology that they can use, like uh, you know, temporary chipping greens, temporary putting greens that you can change the break on command. And I'm sure they're going to have the top of the line stuff that people really have never before seen because, you know, you go to these PGA shows and you're like, oh, this is cool. This putting green that you can change the break on and it has all the lines and the slope and all of that. It looks like a strack of line book in real life with a projector. And you go, how much is this? And they're like, oh, it's only, you know, 250 grand. <laughs> you know? So I don't know yeah. who's buying this stuff. <laughs> other than the TGL. It's expensive. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's so revolutionary from what we, like you said, down at the PJ Merchandise Show. You're like, I didn't think anything like this would exist for like 20 years. And now all of a sudden, no, it's right there. Yeah, you could customize break on greens. And like you said, put chip, temporary chip and greens in. It's absolutely insane where it's going. And that's one of the other elements of this too is that if this is a success, you might see like top golf type areas being built with this type of technology in the next 10 or 15 years. As you said, it costs a lot of money, but you pump some alcohol and some food in there and that money will be made up real quick. So it's this, there's a lot of things riding for the future of the game of golf on this. I know people kind of look at it as a gimmicky deal, but at the same time, I think it could be fairly revolutionary in more ways than we've prognosticated up to this point. Well, and that's, that's what I, you know, about, uh, about seven, eight years ago, guys, uh, the full swing simulators is who they're working with. And I bought one uh, that I was going to use as an indoor deal when I was teaching. Um, Which is essentially a track man, right, Woody? Yeah, swing. basically it is. You're in, you hit into a screen, it's a track man, and then it's got golf courses. I mean, I could play Pebble Beach. I could play – I had like 150 golf courses I could go play. Now, the one thing that they're going to do, that, that the only thing I didn't like about it, Sam, was when you chipped and you putted. The simulators weren't as good then as they are now. And these guys, I guess, actually they're going to hit into a simulator full shots. And then from what I understand, from a certain yardage in, maybe 100 yards and in, they're actually going to be hitting to a real green. Mm -hmm. That's what I kind of understand it to be as well. I guess we'll see yeah. coming into the future, fellas. But let's talk about one of the players who will be included in this TGL. He'll be playing for Boston Common Golf. That would be... Rory McIlroy, and big news came out about him over the past 24 hours that Rory McIlroy, guys, has resigned from the PGA Tour Policy Board, and it was announced through a letter from Jay Monahan to the players and the media. Um, 
T-Dub, I'll let you go first because I think there's a bunch of different reasons. By the way, Jay Monahan didn't list any specific reasons that Rory was uh, you know, not going to be continuing his spot on the PGA Tour policy board. I think that there's a chance that Rory was told to leave the PGA Tour policy board. I also think that there's a chance that Rory McIlroy realized what him being the face of the PGA Tour did to his golf over the past couple of years. Uh, which do you think it is, and do you think it could be even a combination of the two? I think it is a combination for sure. Rory's got a decent amount going on right now. Joining the TGL is going to be something that's going to take a lot of his commitment. And there's also reports coming out, I believe they came out today, that him and his family are looking to move out of Florida. They're moving actually back to London, as it appears, for whatever reason. So that's another reason, I think, that he's doing this as well. And then, from my perspective, what I view it as, Woody, is that I think that there's, they're either seriously in negotiations right now on the merger, which we haven't heard about anything in about six months. They're either in negotiations or about to start negotiations. And I think either Rory doesn't want to be a part of it or the powers that be don't want Rory to be a part of it. That's what probably the biggest reason is. The other stuff going on, I think, are definitely issues there. And then also from Rory's perspective, why the hell would he want to do it? We, we got shown on June 6th that these players have no power. They haven't had any say in anything going on. So why would he want his name attached to something when decisions may be made when he actually doesn't have any power? And I wouldn't want my name on that either. Well, we still have Tiger. And once Tiger's on there, anybody else doesn't matter. There could be one person on the players' advisory board now, and it should be Tiger Woods. Uh, and he's going he's gonna to be the one that really runs that. I, I think what you guys are – I think he could be all right with this, but I also do believe in my heart that Rory's got this TGL going with Tiger. He's got a lot on his plate. There's still a mess of money that he can play for over the next 10 years. He's only 34 years old. So I think – I think when he looked at it, his move to London is a big part of it. Plus, I just think his plate's full, guys. And whatever time this took, like what you're saying, T-Dub, I don't think they had any stroke anyway. Or he, he would with Tiger with his being his buddy. But the bottom line is that's a waste of his time and energy for what he's really good at, which is playing golf. Uh, he needs to just go keep making money playing golf and not worry about all the politics. Let somebody else do it. Fellas, is this big news? Yes. Is it surprising? No. Because what you guys are saying is just if you take it as Rory didn't want to be a part of it anymore, that makes complete sense. And if you're a Rory McIlroy fan, you should probably be happy that he just resigned from the PGA Tour Policy Board. Why? Because it has been his main priority over the last couple of years where his main priority should be the fact that he hasn't won a major in a decade now, fellas. And it's time that Rory puts that as his number one priority. So if that is the case, that's a good sign for Rory McIlroy and Rory McIlroy fans. Now, I also think it could be true that, like T-Dub said, they could be getting higher into negotiations and Rory doesn't want to, you know, be partners with certain people like the PIF. Maybe it might look make Rory look like a hypocrite if he's on the board with guys like Yasser. Maybe Yasser didn't want Rory McIlroy to be on the PGA Tour policy board. I don't know if we're that far along in the discussions or not, but I'm just not ruling anything out. Nothing would surprise me, guys, but Rory not being a part of this anymore does not surprise me whatsoever. Looking back on it, I probably would have been shocked if he had stayed doing it. As we mentioned with all the commitments and then all the stuff we just tied. But, Sam, you bring up the best point. He's got to start worrying about his damn golf and winning some major championships because he's doing everything fine other than that. He's making millions of dollars left and right with his consistent top five finishes 
and then winning one or two tournaments a year that aren't major championships. But at the end of the day, you look back and it can be argued, depending on what side you want to look at, who's been the better player of this generation, Rory or Brooks Kepka? And Brooks has more majors now. So if Rory stays where he is, he more than likely, for a lot of eyes, will not be viewed as the best player of this era. And I think that's something that at least should eat at him because he has the talent to be the best player, one of the top five players of all time, if he could put his mind to it and start to execute whenever the crunch time came. So, yeah, I think that it's really the biggest thing. What is that he's got all this other stuff going on. He's got a beautiful family now. He's got more money and he knows what to do with. Just focus on your damn golf game and try to get more trophies. He needs to because, he, like I said, he's still young, but, but I'd say that, you know, how long will he play? Health-wise, he could go 10 more years. But if he doesn't win any more majors in his career, guys, his career is going to be a what I'd say is a letdown. So he better get focused and get on golf. And right now, if you look at the data golf rankings as of November 13, 2023, the best player in the world analytically is Rory McIlroy. And I just think it's shocking that a guy could be number one in strokes gained on data golf. And it seems like we say this all the time with Rory and not win a major in recent memory, fellas. And so what things over this quote-unquote offseason do you think that Rory needs to be focusing on? We're about to talk about Rory with this DP World Tour Championship where he is the analytical favorite. But what things, even though he is playing competitively over this offseason, what things do you think he needs to be working on before Augusta? When it comes from an analytically game perspective, he doesn't need, he needs to just keep doing what he's doing. Last year, he gained more than a full shot off the tee gained 0.8 shots approach, gained 0.25 around the green, and gained 0.36 on the greens. Those are all top 25 metrics in all those categories. Off the team approach, he's top five. He's the best driver in the game. At Southern Hills, guys, he can do things with the golf ball that no one else in the world can. And some of the drives that he can hit, you just cannot copy that. He's got a skill that cannot that is transcendent. He does. It's unbelievable some of the things I saw at Southern Hills him do. So, yeah, it's. And the fact that now he's making putts earlier in his career, that was his, really his kryptonite, was that he just wasn't the best putter in the world. But he's able to get that down. He's always had a great iron play. His short game consistently gets better. So everything's clicking there. What he just from If he wants to get ready for Augusta, maybe just start focusing on some different types of tee shots, working balls around corners, try to hit high draw on two, try to hit different just different shots that you know would be around there. And then any time that you have off, go down and make a trip down to Augusta when you can because – that's really what he's going to be remembered for if he can complete the career grand slam because only five other players have done it. And talent-wise, he deserves to be the sixth, but he hasn't shown it over the last decade. He will. I think he. I think. I think Augusta fits him. I think it does. Now, what he's got to learn how to do at Augusta is how about get off to a good start. Uh, he, he, you know, here recently he just hadn't got off to a good enough start. Said Augusta, he's gotten behind the eight ball so far he can't get caught up. If he gets, if he gets really focused, guys, and he wants to play golf and play play the kind of golf he can, he will win majors again. But he's got to stay focused on golf, not all the other stuff going on around him. He's got to stay focused. Woody, I think you hit it right on the money. With at Augusta, he doesn't get off to a hot enough start but then he comes back. Or like at the PGA, we saw him in that final round put himself behind the eight ball, short-siding himself at the PGA. And then at the U.S. Open, he was missing fairways coming down the stretch. It just seems like maybe there's a mental lapse at certain times, and it's not for very long, but even if you do that for nine holes, I mean, we're talking about winning major championships, and you just can't do that 
to me, when I watch Rory, I think he's very mentally strong for about 90% of these golf tournaments, but the other 10%, it seems like he just completely goes airhead. And to me, it's not even nerves. It's not even the fact that, uh, you know, he has all this weight and all this pressure of not winning major championships on him. It doesn't even seem like that. It just seems like he makes critical mistakes at certain moments of the four days of a major championship that you can't make. And I can't put a finger on what it is. And then sometimes it's the wedges. Sometimes it's the putting or like we saw at the U.S. Open. It was the driver coming down the stretch. I don't get it. It's one of the biggest confusing situations in our lifetime in the game of golf. I can't figure it out. We, he's, we're going to a place at Valhalla next year where he won a major, won his last major. I can't figure it out. I'm not going to pick Rory in a major championship until he proves me that he can do otherwise. And just to make your point even more clear, let's go back to the U.S. Open this year at, at L.A. Country Club. Him and Wyndham Clark are essentially battling it out down the stretch, and everyone's like, well, Wyndham Clark, he won the Wells Fargo a couple weeks ago, but yeah, he doesn't have the pedigree that Rory does. This is going to be Rory's time. Rory steps up on the 14th hole, uh, gettable par three or gettable par five, hits a massive drive, but way left into the thick rough, has to lay up to like 120 yards or something like that, a little bit wedge in and completely fans in. That's when he plugs in the lip of the bunker and actually got very lucky that he was able to get a free drop, but still made bogey. Those are the things that if you want to be a legendary golfer and win major championships, you cannot do things like that. So yes. It's that 10% that's going to keep weighing you down, whether it be like he does at Augusta in the first rounds or whether it be like he does on the the back nine of the U.S. Open like he did this year. There's just too many times where he has not executed when he needed to. And then we talk about Augusta. Two of the last three years, he's missed a cut there. The the Masters is one of the easiest tournaments to make the cut in if you get him because you just have to make sure that you beat Sandy Lyle and Larry Mize is who you had to make sure you beat. So, And then in between there, he had the second-place finish but that was when he had the, the back or the final round when he shoot 64 or whatever when he held out the bunker on 18. And when Scotty Scheffler ran away with it, four putt in the last hole and still won by three shots or whatever it was. So he hasn't really contended in a Masters in quite some time. So it's, that's something to worry about. The, the two times he missed the cut, he hit his irons absolutely horribly there. So we talk about things to practice. Maybe he needs to work on side hill lies because as I saw this year, there is not one level lie on that golf course on any of those fairways. So that's definitely something he needs to try to replicate for sure because the, not only was it just average whenever he played it was absolutely god awful short game was too so yeah he's he might have some mental issues when it comes to Augusta if he's played that bad as recently as he has and Woody that's the thing is it's mental right because we can't point to one area yeah. of his game so if you were being Rory McIlroy's mental coach uh, or even swing coach what things would you be telling him because it's clearly mental and not physical well, I'd, I'd tell him to go talk to Taylor Gooch and figure out how to find it. One kind of drive, one shot that you can hit in the fairway no matter what. doesn't have to be pretty. Everybody in the gallery doesn't have to go, oh, wow, what a beautiful golf shot. No, that, that, who cares? Uh, he got to find some kind of tee ball when he's coming down the stretch, maybe not at Augusta as much as it is at these other majors where he can keep the ball in the fairway. The other thing I'd tell you, Sam, when you've got a guy that's, fighting a mental block okay i think you've got to try to get them to do everything you can to separate that block or separate what's causing the block meaning it quit thinking grand slam think quit thinking augusta go and go through your routines like you're playing at the rsm or you're playing it at la or whatever where he wins all the time 
get his mindset so that he sees those kinds of um, results instead of fearing, oh, I just blew another chance. Oh, I'm never going to get this. Oh, this. He, what, what Augusta is right now is one big negative. He's got to figure out some way to get something positive to build on and then just go from there. I mean, it is. It's tough. It's like we talk about yips and putting. We talk about a lot of things. Guys get yips with a driver. Um, you got to just completely take that side of the brain and make it feel like it's doing a 180. I am not a psychological coach. I'm really not. I wasn't a big fan of going to uh, the Bob Rotella's or anything like that. I found that when I was in my toughest situation, guys, you know what I would do? What's that? I'd pray. I'd pray. I'd say, God, help me here. I am not got this shot. You do help me. That's what I did. <laughs> and did it work? A lot of times you'd be amazed. But what it did do, guys, is it gave me such a calm that I wasn't nervous anymore. I wasn't feeling like I was worried about the out, what happened. You know, what is it going to do if I do this? I didn't ever have that feeling. So he's got to come did, up with what something. You, I think you just hit on something really important. What do we always hear major champions say after the week is over? I was just at a calm and a peace this week. I was at a peace with myself. I was talking <laughs> about football with my caddy or whatever. We yeah, don't see yeah, any calm. calm or peacefulness with Rory. I think you're right on the money no. with that, even though it's very no. simple. He looks like a cat on a hot coming down the stretch. He looks nervous. He looks jittery. He doesn't look like the guy he should. And and that's because there is not that inner peace. It's not that calm. So, you know, there could be a lot of ways for Rory to get there. I'm just not the guy to probably call. I, but uh, I just found that uh, the good Lord above, he helped me on all those situations a lot more than anybody Bob Rotella did. Any final thoughts on that, T-Dub, before we hit a break? Oh, I just couldn't agree more. I think you guys make some excellent points. You could tell, and it could be for a multitude of reasons, but I'm not necessarily sure. He's, he's definitely nerve, a little bit nerves there. It also could be just because whenever you want something so bad and you just, you're trying to get it, you could just force the issue too much, and that's sort of what it looks like to me where it's, he's just not being himself. He's not naturally letting things happen and come to him. He's trying to force the issue. I brought up that the bogey on 14 earlier with that wet shot. It was, you could tell the tenseness there, and he was just he, the swing didn't look natural at all. He didn't just allow things to happen. So that's something we need to watch out for. And then another thing I was looking at to break up to back up Woody's point about how Rory started the Masters the last few years. Here's his opening round score the last five years. 72, 73, 75, 76, 73. Four rounds of them are over par. One's even par. Not one round under par to start it. So if, if he wants any chance to complete the career grand slam, he has to turn that around and fast. And that Thursday this past year was the best weather they got all week, really, until late Sunday. Exactly. And shot 73. So yeah. and, and he got rewarded with not being able to play Saturday and Sunday. Yep, that's exactly right, fellas. Uh, let's go ahead and hit a break. After the break, we will talk about the DP World Tour Championship that Rory and a bunch of other big-time players are playing in. And we'll also cover the RSM, then get you out of here for the week on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. If you are not already 
following the 73rd Hole podcast, definitely make sure and go do so. It's absolutely free. It helps us out, and it will just give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode like this one. And you can also catch us on the sportsanimal.com podcast page as well. If you're a sports fan, there's a ton of other great shows that we have live on 98.1 WWLS, the sports animal, every single week. And the podcasts of those shows are up on the website as well. Let's hit a break here on the 73rd hole. Oklahoma's leader in golf. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. back on the other side of the break on the 73rd hole podcast the official podcast of golf oklahoma go get all of your local golf news from golfoklahoma.org t-dub kim mcleod and chris swaffer do such a great job and we were able to go to the oklahoma golf hall of fame banquet t-dub over this last week and Maury Rose, uh, you have Bo Weininger, you also had Stacy Promenasud and Mike Hewitt, you had uh, Ron Streck as well, and T-Dub, I know that you played on the OJGT, as did I, which Maury Rose headed up for many years, he's finally retiring this year, and Maury has made such an impression on so many lives, over 500 scholarships that he's created for junior golfers in the state of Oklahoma, and not just Oklahoma, but Arkansas, Texas, Kansas, the surrounding states as well. We all owe Maury Rose a big thank you, and I could not be happier that he was honored with getting inducted into the class of 2023 for the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame. T-Dub, I'll let you say a couple words on Maury. Oh, there's very maybe no one in the world better than Maury Rose. He's an absolute legend he is. And what he's done, not just for this state and, the, and golf, but what he's done for the lives of kids, being able to get kids who wouldn't traditionally been able to get to go to college and get an education were now able to. And any time that I would talk to him, those would be the stories that he would bring up that meant the most to him. So it, it truly is great that hopefully he's able to sit back and be able to just see what great he's done. I believe the OJGT started in, in 2020 or 2002, I believe. So 21 years going strong. And it just keeps getting better and better every year. That's a great thing. So many great golfers are in the state and the framework that players who were first started on the OJGT back then have been able to, to lay down and allow the opportunities for the kids now, along with everything that Maury did. It's truly great. And really the only thing I got to say, Sam, in all honesty, is why the hell did it take so long? I think you should have been in a long time ago. 
That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, for our listeners that are not from Oklahoma, you might recognize some of the names from the OJGT, like a Taylor Gooch or a Taylor Moore, um, guys like Austin Ekro. We could go on down the list. I could be here all day listing guys. Quake Cummins, uh, I'm definitely going to forget some, obviously. But my point is not only has he created scholarships, and playing opportunities for guys in the fall, which is what it started as. Now they do tournaments in the summer as well. It's you know They even get AJGA ranking points from them. It's a much bigger deal now than even when we played T-Dub, but not only did he get those scholarships for those men and women, but he also uh, has a bunch of professional golfers on the men and women's side that have played in this. It truly is unbelievable. There's Like you said, there's so many different layers to this and so many lives have been impacted by what he did and has done up to this point is truly, truly great. And once again, too, like you, you can do half these things and still be rude to people. But Rory, he'll, he'll talk to everyone that he walks by. Always nice, always courteous. So that there's just so many good things that you could say about him. And I, I love Morty death. I haven't seen him in a long time. I'd love to give him a hug and tell him I love him because he's, he's impacted my life in a great way. And I hope that he realizes all the great stuff that he's done for juniors and kids in the state. No doubt about it. We love you, Maury, and I love when, whenever Maury just gives you a call on a random day just to ask how you're doing. He's that type of guy, T-Dub. Um, speaking of the OJGT and Maury Rose, let's talk about the RSM this week where a former OJGT player won this in the past, Taylor Gooch. Now he's moved on to live, not on the PGA Tour anymore, so he will not be playing in the RSM this week, but your top five favorites for the week at the RSM Classic T-Dub are Russell Henley, Ludwig Aubert, Corey Connors, Cam Young, and Brian Harmon. Does the winner come out of those top five favorites analytically? I think it does. And per, congrats on remembering Ludwig's name because that's uh, I would have definitely pronounced that wrong as well, just like I just did because I, I'm, I'm never going to be able to remember that. So congrats. On remembering that, uh, look at someone down. I like Brian Harmon's chances with our man Scott Tway on the bag. Finished second here last year, just kind of coming off of probably one of the best Americans on the Ryder Cup, which there wasn't very many of them, but at least he had some shining lights in there. Russell Henley likes this course as well. Uh, O'Bear has been playing extremely, extremely well, as we know, in his town. He can come out and win any tournament, seems like, by five shots. Corey Connors, a ball striking machine. So, yeah, I'm going to ride with those top five. Cameron Young in there as well, who we'll see if he can get back to the form that he had Around 2022, whenever he, in all honesty, probably should have won the PGA at Southern Hills and had a horrible 16 toll there. Hits the driver comparably to like what Rory McIlroy does. He does things with the golf ball that very few can, upwards of 190 ball speed. Just absolutely pummels the ball and hits it high. And very talented in all areas as well. So he's a guy that you look for to maybe come back and have a back, bounce back season this year because his last seven or eight months has not been anywhere up to his caliber. And if he can just ever learn how to just control the ball a little bit more and make a you more putts around because his putter is the definition of streaky, then he could be a, a top five, top ten player in this game. To me, T-Dub, this tournament comes down to who is the most talented, or at least when I'm prognosticating this tournament, because there's a couple names that stick out. Ludwig Bear, Cam Young, maybe even throw Brian Harmon in that list. But there's a lot of other guys that are great golfers, but they're not elite guys like and Obert to me, you know, so like a, like a Henley even. He's the analytical favorite, but if I paired Obert and Henley together, I'm picking Obert 10 out of 10 times, or I'm picking Obert over a guy like Eric Cole or J.J. Spawn or Denny McCarthy 10 out of 10 times, and I'll live with the result. So if I'm betting on this tournament, T-Dub, I'm going to bet 
on Ludwig Ober, and we saw him tee it up at the Worldwide Technologies where he finished tied for 10th. If you also say, well, wait, Sam, you, you know, we're talking about talent. What about Cam Young? Cam Young teed it up at the Worldwide Technologies, finished 54th. I just love where Ludwig Ober's game is, and he's such a consistent player that if I pick him and he doesn't play well, oh, well, but 90% of the time I'm going to be right. Wait, and not 90% years that he's going to win the golf tournament. I'm just saying 90% that he's going to finish, you know, somewhere around top 10. Well, just to validate your point, here's his last, was it, six finishes? You have 10th, 13th, 2nd, 10th, win, 4th, 14th. That's going back to the last tournament was the Wyndham Championship back in August. And so he played a few times on the DP World Tour leading up to the Ryder Cup and then actually played once after the Ryder Cup as well. So, yeah, he's just an absolute world beater. One thing that would potentially hold him back is that he just absolutely pummels the ball and he can overpower a lot of golf courses. And they do play two different Sea Island courses this week. So they'll, uh, three of the four rounds are on the same course. There'll be one round that isn't. So that's maybe something to look at is that you don't necessarily have to overpower it. That's why guys like Brian Harmon and other players like that have done well here in the past. Plus, the ocean there, so they look to control you. He over has experience when he played college golf at Texas Tech. He's seen enough win for all of us so i i definitely like his chances and he's like he's gonna have a game to where it doesn't matter what course he steps on he's gonna have a chance because he's got that ability it's just gonna be now is he gonna have how many breakthroughs is he gonna need before he can finally get a deal done one of the played in a Ryder cup before he ever played a major championship that's absolutely unbelievable so it's gonna be interesting to see how his career goes from here because that's something that is i didn't even know was possible that could happen T-Dub, before we get to the DP World Tour Championship, I got to get your thoughts on the fact that the RSM Championship actually receives more official world golf ranking points than the DP World Tour Championship. And let me just list off a couple names since I just listed off the top five favorites at the RSM. Here are the top five favorites at the DP World Tour Championship that we're about to get to. Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, Tommy Fleetwood, Tyrrell Hatton, I'll even go top six, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Now, how in the world is it possible that the RSM with that field receives more official world golf ranking points than the DP World Tour Championship? It's not just Liv getting screwed over with this OWGR, it's the DP World Tour as well. I mean, when you have those names, it's much harder to win a golf tournament with those six names in the golf tournament. I don't care what the strength of field is or how deep your field is. If you have Rory, Rom, Hovland, Fleetwood, Hatton, Fitzpatrick in your golf tournament, it's much harder to win. I don't care about how they determine strength of field or how many players are in the golf tournament. Can we start using common sense on this? Well, what's funny about it, Sam, is the OWGR system has never been perfect. But it didn't used to be like this. It used to be a lot heavier weight on, just like you mentioned, that if the top players are in the field, it should be more weighted that way. But what they did was is that essentially now the biggest underlier is how many golfers you have in the tournament. If you have, if you have 100 guys that are on the you know, 300 or 200, 250 or whatever it is, then you're going to get at so many points. It's unbelievable. And the RSM doesn't have a, a horrible field by any stretch. We listed off a lot of those players, a lot of really good players are playing, but you have the cream of the top is over the DP World Tour Championship. And I get that the bottom half of the field isn't the most stellar in the world, but there's still great players over there. And just to put this into perspective, it's not we're not talking just a couple of points here. We're talking the RSM Classic is, is getting 225, has a field rating of 225, 
The DP World Tour Championship has a field rating of 153. That's a 50% increase from what the DP World Tour has. That's un- unheard of. The projected first place points for the RSM are 38.7 and a 27.7 for the DP World Tour. That's a lot of points whenever the, for how this is calculated. So it's not that it's just by a little bit, Sam. It's by a lot. And John Marlon was very vocal about it last year. I was vocal about it last year. I'm going to be vocal about it again. The only difference is that every anyone with a half a brain understands how big of a joke of a system this is now. That's why anytime when we talk about rankings, we go to the data golf and the analytic rankings because they're a lot more representative of what is actually happening in the game of golf besides this joke of a system that we're unfortunately used to determine who gets in major championships. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the DP World Tour Championship is one that a lot of people forgot about last year because it wasn't receiving as many OWGR points. Remember, people were forgetting that Rom actually won this last year, and a lot of times they didn't include that in one of the wins that he had last year because it was not a PGA Tour event, T-Dub. And this is a big-time field, and obviously Rom wins this last year and goes on to win the Masters, and so... I think you can kind of use this DP World Tour Championship in Dubai as a metric of how much guys are playing at home and how seriously they're taking their off season. And, you know, some guys like to put the clubs away, maybe play in this and then, you know, put the clubs away for a little bit longer and then gear up for the masters. Some guys like a Victor Hovland, I know are just grinding throughout the off season. So I think it's going to be interesting to see these top players in the world compete against each other in Dubai this week. TW, do you have any thoughts on the golf course before we kind of dive into some of these players? other than Rory, since we kind of already did a deep dive into his game right now? It's a, it's a pretty cool golf course. It's not, it looks aesthetically nice whenever you watch it on TV. I don't think there's there's not an abundance of trickery to it. There's a few holes with a little bit of water. It's kind of like a classic desert golf course in a sense. It's very resorty, very, very pristine, very in very nice shape. So not a whole lot of not a whole lot of trickery to it. Just that's why guys like Rom who's played here his last two times he's played these won because you can just hit bombs over there and Rory very similar to what he does in majors has choked off a lot of finishes down there last one was a par five and he's he's made some very bad swings on that hole in the past whenever and I remember it was a, I can't remember exactly what year it was but he had the infamous ripped his shirt in the in the when he was signing his scorecard and a picture went around so that's pretty funny so Rory has had a lot of success here but he's also had some recent demons uh, so that'd be something interesting to look at but like I said as far as the golf course goes the fairways are fairly generous just put the ball in play and it, the greens are going to be receptively hard. They're going to roll pretty, very, very true. So, and and in Dubai, you don't have the most extreme weather conditions. You're not going to have usually. You're not going to have 40 mile an hour winds come your way. So yeah, these guys can just go out there and pin seek on on this trip. No doubt about it. A bunch of great winners at this DP World Tour Championship, like Rom and Morikawa, Fitzpatrick, Rom again, Danny Willett, uh, John Rom again, Fitzpatrick, Rory McIlroy. Those are the last six or seven. I could keep going down to Stinson and Stinson and McIlroy. Uh, Alvaro Kuros, <laughs> he won a DP. He won a, it was back then, but it was the Dubai World Championship back then. It wasn't the DP World Tour Championship or the European Tour Championship, uh, T-Dub. By the way, let's. We haven't pulled this one out of the hat in a long time. How high, Alvaro Quiros? <laughs> oh, I, I, this was one of the best games of all time. I forgot. <laughs> These are for our OG this. listeners right here. We, explain the, OG, the game. You know, explain the game while I look this up. So this is what we used to do back with our man Colby Powell. And what's funny is that the reason this game stopped is because 
WWGR became such a joke that I didn't even want to look at it anymore. That's the reason that we stopped doing it. But what we did was you take the um, obscure player's name who no one has heard of, or most unless you're an OG golfer, you have most people don't know who Alvaro Kuros is. But but he we do. And so what we do is <laughs> oh he yeah he was. He, he was the longest player in the world, or at least played that pro, that played professional golf for about a two or three year stretch. He had the, some of the most intense lag in the golf swing that you'd ever see. But the premise of the game is the how highest, what was the highest they ever got in the official world golf ranking. And so you know what, Sam, he was actually because he hit the ball really far. He had a couple of wins. I remember he won a few tournaments by four or five shots just because he overpowered him on the DP World Tour. So give me, give me forty three. Currently, Alvaro Quiros is ranked 989th in the official World Golf Ranking, which is higher than a lot of the guys on Live. Uh, but his best OWGR ranking in his career was 21st, and I would have to go back and search to see when that was. But he was all the way up, almost into the top 20. Teed up. Yeah, so he was—he could just absolutely power overpower golf courses. I'd probably say just going back here looking on the analytics, it was probably somewhere in the 2011 range, maybe 2010 range, something like that. Uh, that's when he was playing his best golf for sure. That He was gaining the amount of shots off the tee that someone like Rory does now. That's how much he's overpowering it. Three out of those four years, uh, it's three out of the first four years he played, he hit the ball exceptionally well with his irons. He's never had a very good short game. and He's always been a really bad putter. So that's been really what told him back. And now you look at he's actually playing the challenge tour now. He just can't overpower golf courses like he used to. He's four, almost 41 years old now, so doesn't have the same amount of speed as he used to. But yeah, he was he was one of the bombers before a lot of these bombers come around now. Yeah, it was it was pretty insane to watch him hit a ball. It, it came off the, the driver a little bit differently than other people's did. And uh, it was one of those guys where he thought he would actually have a little bit more success than he did. Unfortunately, that putter in his short game is what held him back. Tita, back to the DP World Tour Championship at Jumeirah Estates. Uh, I'm going to go with Victor Hovland, and I know that it's a bombers, more of a bombers paradise type course where Rom has won here. Rory's played really well as well. By the way, Rory has a 19.3% chance to win, which against this type of field is a lot analytically, but I know how hard Hovland's been practicing, and I just want to go with a guy who isn't necessarily rusty headed into, uh, headed into a bigger event like this. Oh, it's a very good point to make. Absolutely. Yeah, we know Hovland has been definitely putting in the work to, to do it. We don't know what some of these other guys have been doing. One thing that's come out is that Rory's going to be trying the new TaylorMade driver. It's, it's not released yet. It's called like the QI-10 or something like that. It looks very similar to the Stealth now, but it's obviously got a few tweaks to it. So it'll be interesting to see. Changing a driver isn't anything like it used to be. Now the machine will get it primed exactly how you want it. And it's not necessarily that the center of the club has it's not going to go a whole lot farther, but he'll, the misses is what traditionally gets better. And then if he's just going to have a little bit of confidence with it, remember there was, was it last year? Or so, it was either the start of the year or sometime not too long ago. We had driver gate with Rory where he was blaming his driver out of all things while he wasn't playing good. So maybe now this will be the thing that gets Rory over the hill, even though he is the number one analytic player in the world. But I'm going to go with, with John Rom, Sam. It's, he's won it the last two times he's played it. No reason to pick against him at a stellar Ryder Cup played over it in Europe twice uh, since then, finished fourth and ninth. So I'm pretty good for him. So give me a little bit of John Rahm. It's also, of course, as I was alluding to earlier, that just suits up extremely well for him. What is, uh, what's the time in Dubai right now? How many hours ahead is Dubai if we're going to watch this live? 
I remember a few times watching the start of Dubai whenever Tiger used to play over there when it would it would be ten or eleven at night and then he would have a morning tea time. So it was uh, so there's definitely gonna be time to watch it. It is currently four ten AM there and, and it's currently six ten PM as we are recording this right now. So what is that, ten hours ahead, Sam? Ten hours ahead. So that means that the tea times will <laughs> Yeah, it's in the middle of the night. We might be watching this one on replay T dub. Yeah, so if they tee off at eight AM their time, it will be ten PM our time. Yeah, so maybe so if little... they have an afternoon tea time, there if they have an afternoon tea time, there's no way they'll do it. And traditionally, the the Golf Channel doesn't show the coverage of the morning tea times, which is absolutely stupid. But that's what <laughs> they decide to do. So the only way you'll be able to watch this is if if, if they tee off at eight AM their time, which I don't think that they traditionally do anyway. T-Dub, the last thing I have for all the listeners is if you have not seen this video yet, you need to go look at it. Charlie Woods in the Florida State Championship chips in and does a Tiger Woods-like fist pump, just like his dad. If you have not seen this video, go to my Twitter, at Sam Humphreys 34 flushing it, at flushing it, who put this out. Big time stuff from Charlie Woods chipping in in the Florida State Championship, giving a tiger-like fist pump. Teed up, my father like son is truly beautiful thing to see. And one thing I don't know if we've highlighted enough. I think we did. It's been so long since we did a show. The fact that Tiger's been caddying for Charlie and actually is walking at least halfway decently. And there's been a lot of rumors that he's been trying to come back and get at it. So the t- hopefully the Charlie fist pump is a prelude. So what we may be seeing in the in the few coming months, Sam, not just necessarily in the TGL, but an actual golf course from his father, the GOAT, Tiger. Yeah, I read an article that Tiger did a little interview and was talking about his foot, and he basically said that where he had the surgery on his foot is not the problem anymore. It's that he was kind of compensating in other areas of his leg that now he's having trouble with. But, T-Dub, all I know is I saw him, uh, you know, a little less than a year ago at Augusta, and the reason why Tiger had to withdraw was not because he was hurting himself when he was swinging. It was because he couldn't walk the golf course, and it didn't help that it was cold and rainy. I want to see it, but I'm never going to bet against Tiger Woods. At the same time, it makes me optimistic looking at these videos because he is walking without a massive limp like he was last year. And if he's able to walk the course, we talked about it many times that he looks fine on a driving range. And I'm not saying he's going to get back to an elite level of you know competing for major championships, but he might get back to that level if he's able to walk the course and you know be able to practice a little bit more than he has over the past couple of years. I mean, we even saw it. We say this all the time, but we saw him at Southern Hills and we watching him hit balls and we're like, man, this looks really, really good. He makes the cut, but has to withdraw because he's not able to walk the course. So if he's able to walk the course, which is a whole lot harder than it sounds, it's like walking six to eight miles, depending on what course it is per day. That's a lot of stress on that foot. And I know that Tiger said he was sore, but if he was able to do it caddying, who knows, he might be able to do it playing. It's definitely a good warm up. It is for sure. And then anyone who thinks that golf, that professional golf isn't a sport, you're absolutely ludicrous. Because go out and try to walk Augusta National, and also in between the eight miles up and down canyons, essentially that you're going to do, turn turn your body from zero mile an hour to 120 miles an hour, fifty times, and actually probably closer to 100 after you do range balls and things like that for seven days in a row. Good luck 
to you if you're not feeling 100%. And then with everything Tiger's been through, and let's not forget, he is superhuman, and there's no way that you can ever doubt him. But this December, he'll be 48 years old. That's one guy that is officially undefeated in the history of combat is Father Tom. And he'll eventually catch up with Tiger if he hasn't already with everything that's happened to his body. So much as I wanted to, and I'm never going to doubt him because I, I did doubt him before this last comeback he had back in 2018, 2019. And it's, I want it to happen so bad that I'm hopefully willing it into existence that it does happen. But it's going to be tough. And one of the things, too, is not even just with his body, is that his putter's not the same anymore. He doesn't make the putts that he used to. The, the clutchness. I mean, a lot well, of times he hasn't been in the clutch enough. situation. He's but when got he to has- put himself in those situations. He's got to be able to be healthy enough to you know play some regular PGA Tour events. 100%. And will he ever get to the point to where he can play more than the, just the majors? I, hell, hopefully we just get to the point to where he plays all four majors in a year. If he can't, if Tiger misses a major championship, we know that he's not doing very well at all. So it's, yeah, it's hopefully just get to the point to where maybe at some point he can play all four majors and then maybe get, hell, one thing that would help him, this is how the fact that he's so superhuman, he just goes out and when he turns 50, plays the Champions Tour, gets a little bit more competitive there and then shows up for a few majors. That might be the thing that helps him get over the top, just being able to go out there and maybe and slightly enjoy competitive golf more because obviously he's going to want to win, but he can go on the Champions Tour, play in a cart, joke around with his buddies, a lot more laid-back atmosphere than just a strict major championship as he has been, which has essentially been the only thing he's played in the last, how, what, last three years or so. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, speaking of kind of going out, having fun, riding in a cart, I did see that the PNC Championship on their promotions for ticket sales have put Tiger Woods on the website as one of the you know possible participants in the PNC father-son with Charlie so maybe they know something maybe it was just a uh, hopeful you know optimistic <laughs> kind of promotion right there but hopefully we see him at the PNC if you had to bet right now to end the show T-Dub my last last question to you does Tiger Woods play at Augusta oh good question I'm going to say I'm going to say yes I do I think that I'm, the interesting thing would be to see if he plays the hero. Because I, I would put all the money that I have that he'll play the PNC with Charlie, especially because he's going to try to do the TGL deal. So it'll be interesting to see if he's healthy enough to play the hero. That'll be a nice prelude to see it. But maybe it's just me, like I said, hoping it happens. Give me, how about this? Give me 69% chance that he plays a gun. I agree with you. I give it about a 60, you know, 8.9% chance that Tiger plays at Augusta. Uh, T-Dub, good show. Did we miss anything? I had a few things written down here, but I think we covered most of it. The, the big thing we wanted to mention was, or not the big thing, but something to watch out for is where are getting that new driver in? Because, as we said, he was not happy with the last driver that he had. So it'll be interesting to see it if this is going him. to be it wasn't any just different. Him and and kind of, oh, absolutely. Oh, you're, you're 100% right. Everyone hated the, the new Stealth too. Like, hardly anyone used it. He wanted to go back to his old driver. So that's going to be interesting if, if the pros come back and backlash this driver coming out because and this is also the time of year that we start seeing the new equipment start to roll out obviously it's not available for retail yet that'll happen anywhere from december to the start of february usually is when that happens but yeah if if we come out and we see a lot of pros start to use it in the few tournaments that we have between now and then it'll be an interesting sign because then we'll know by february or march when they're gearing up for us if they like it because we've seen like more did last year went back to his old driver so it's uh, that's something that Really, the casual fan doesn't look at it, but golf nerds, at least like myself, are very intrigued by it. 
That is right. Everybody enjoy the golf this weekend. DP World Tour Championship, RSM. We'll be recapping both of those events next week here on the 73rd hole. And always follow us on social media at the 73rd hole on X and at 73rd hole on Instagram. And also hit that follow button on Apple and Spotify. It will just give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. And it's absolutely free. T-Dub, thank you. Woody, thank you. This has been Sam Humphreys on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd hole podcast.